This episode is supported by Vic Health, Victoria's health promotion agency. For more information about the work of Vic Health, go to vichealth.vic.gov.au. This period of time has made me realise how disconnected you are to kind of the immediate community around you and when you're not sort of going around to certain places and you don't have the, those connections that you build in your daily life. You kind of realise how isolated everyone is and looking out the window and not able to go anywhere, you kind of realise how maybe like isolated you are within our own communities. Welcome to our special coronavirus series of In Good Health, where we look at ways to stay healthy at home during the pandemic. In this episode, we're going to take a look at something a lot of us might have felt in our lives, but maybe we're feeling even more right now. We're talking about loneliness, and we're going to think about what that means in a time where, thanks to technology, we have more ways than ever to stay in contact with each other, but can't necessarily keep up those contacts face-to-face. I'm Dr. Sandro. And I'm Dewi Cook. So, Sandro, what's it been like for you at this time? Have you ever felt lonely? Yeah, I was thinking about that as I was talking to my grandma. I mean, I don't think I've felt lonely as such because I live with my partner, but I do definitely miss important people in my life. Mm. I mean, I I miss my beautiful nieces and my new baby niece who was only born in November. I miss my friends. You know, I miss my parents. We've been really in isolation from our entire family because Liv, my partner, is a doctor on the front line. So while I don't feel lonely as such, I definitely feel like there are important connections in my life that are currently missing from a physical sense. Yeah, there's a gap, isn't there? Yeah. What about you? Well... Look, I think that we've discussed this before, you know, this period where we're all at home, there are a few places that you can go to escape your home and likewise to escape into other people. You know, we we forget, I think, how much you rely on other people in your life to fulfill that other aspect of you, uh, either, you know, Mm -hmm. friends or relatives. And when you're at home, either on your own or with the people that you share your house with, that's all you have. And I don't know that I felt lonely, but I've definitely felt the absence of everybody else for sure. And I think this is probably a relevant point when we're thinking about loneliness because we don't really have the same idea of loneliness. Loneliness is subjective and that's Mm. a kind of an official description of it. You know, I spoke with Michelle Lim recently, who's a clinical psychologist and a lecturer at Swinburne Uni, but she's also a kind of loneliness expert. And that's something that she describes, that loneliness is this subjective concept where you can feel alone even when you're surrounded by other people. And likewise, Mm. you could be alone and not feel socially isolated or lonely. And that's kind of what Chris, who we heard from at the top of this episode, was talking about. And we'll hear more from him later. First, I want to play you a little bit of the interview that I did with Michelle recently. We do know that loneliness is prevalent across the lifespan, but in particular, young people age 18 to 25 report what we call problematic levels of loneliness. And we actually surveyed about 1,500 Victorians from the ages of 12 to 25. And surprisingly, we found that those over 18 to 25 were actually reporting more problems of loneliness than we expect. 
significantly more than the younger counterparts, mm. those under the age of 18. It's sort of counterintuitive in a way, isn't it? The idea that, you know, as an older person, you think that well, that's the prime of, of a young person's life when they should have the most people around them. So what are the understood and recognized reasons for why loneliness would be particularly high at that point in a person's life? That's a very good question, Dewey. And actually, our study uh, design wasn't able to kind of really decipher that. But we did come up with a couple of hypotheses around why this might be the case. So when we kind of look at um, 18 to 25, at least half of the population that we surveyed were living out of home already. So they may actually be lacking the parental support and also this possible shift in their connections, you know, going from high school to higher education or employment means there's a bit of a shift in the networks, not be able to maybe maintain their high school friendships and then having to transition to make new ones. Mm. It's a bit of a period of what we call social vulnerability. And this may actually contribute to higher levels of loneliness. Mm. What then is the hypothesis around what can help alleviate those feelings of loneliness? Look, we do know that uh, when we look at the trends in this study, um, anxiety and depression was, you know, an emerging problem as well as we know with young people. And we know that loneliness, even though it's not equivalent to any kind of mental health problems per se, people with mental health problems often kind of report feeling lonely. So I think one point of intervention is really also to help young people maintain good mental health when they're making those social transitions. It's really important that young people feel supported. It's really important to think about how we can better make young people do a smoother transition, taking care of their mental health, not just, you know, their relationships. Mm. Is loneliness or the awareness of loneliness, is that a new concept in Australia or in, in this field of research? Loneliness itself isn't, first of all, it isn't a pathological condition. It's distressing feelings that we're all meant to feel when we feel like our social relationships are not quite meeting our expectations. In that sense that we all should feel lonely at some point. It's very intrinsic to the mm. way humans are engineered. You know, we are social species and we actually have to rely on each other to thrive and to flourish. So loneliness is a signal for us to do something different, to connect with people, you know, establish a network so that we can actually thrive. And when we ignore that feeling, that's when it becomes a problem. And that's when loneliness starts almost kind of more persistent or more distressing levels of loneliness. It gets processed in the brain as a stress. When we're, we're stressed out, it's really bad for our health. So recent research has actually looked at how loneliness actually increases your likelihood of an earlier death, mm. you know, and it's not very dissimilar to the statistics for living alone or being less integrated within social networks, which is what we would refer to as social isolation. So it's equivalent in terms of what we call all-cause mortality. Mm. Previously, the concept of just feeling subjectively alone that was previously not considered as important. Most people have focused on what we call social isolation instead. And what kind of expectations do you have or understandings do you have around the experience of loneliness, impacts of loneliness on people, especially young people, during the current pandemic? 
I think one of the issues that is really largely unknown is that we don't actually know what the impact the COVID-19 has on the way we relate to people, the way we feel, the way we behave. And we've not had that kind of level of research or, or the ability to research this area. What we would imagine is that the level of social restrictions and the lack of control would actually negatively influence our mental health, mm-hmm. our physical health, and as well like make us feel more lonely. So that's something that we're trying to work out at the moment in the study. I mean, in the current pandemic, we've seen, I guess, a sort of upsurge as well of community-led neighbourliness almost, you know, make kindness viral movement. Is mm-hmm. it possible, do you think, that having that opportunity to see the way communities can come together is another antidote to the loneliness that might also be coming up during this time? Look, I think it's actually more important than ever for us to commute, to actually connect with our community. So it's not just connecting with friends and family and all, it's, it's with the people that we live with. And if there is a positive thing about the pandemic is that we have seen an upsurge of people attempting to connect with and helping other people who are much more vulnerable in our community. And that's very important. One thing to be said as well is that, you know, loneliness or reducing loneliness can be very different for different people. So there are people who really benefit from the community outreach. And then there are people who may prefer to cope with their loneliness only with people who are known to them. Mm. So there's no one size fits all solution. So really, I think the way we kind of think about loneliness is that it's a very subjective feeling that just because something works for you, it doesn't mean it will work for someone else. I think I like also the point that the Lifeline website makes, which is feeling like loneliness is a feeling of sadness Mm. or distress about being by yourself or feeling disconnected from the world around you. Mm. And I think that's really important because we often think of loneliness as just simply being by yourself or not being around other people. But actually, as you say, and as Michelle said, it's more subjective than that. It's really how you feel. You don't have to be on your own to feel lonely. You can be with other people and still feel lonely, or you can just be disconnected from certain people or feel disconnected and feel lonely. And that's still lonely. I mean, that's still a feeling of lonely, a justified feeling of lonely. I think that's important to reiterate. I think that's what Michelle is talking about, particularly amongst young people, you know, this idea that it's counterintuitive in a way that young people who are kind of the most surrounded by people in their lives, right? You know, when you're a young mm. person, you've come through school, maybe university um, or into work, and you're meeting people and making friends more than ever. But there is this sort of pronounced feeling amongst some young people of loneliness. So mm. wh- how can that be and why Why is that? That idea of supporting young people through those transitions, I think, is something that's really important. And understanding that, yes, loneliness is something that happens to all of us at different fa- phases of our life, that it's not necessarily mm something that's wrong with you or wrong with the way you're living life, but there is a way to look for opportunities to find that connection again. And we heard from Chris at the beginning of this episode. He's a young person, you know, he's 22. He's at university. It's been a very weird time for him at the moment because he's doing now all of his university online, but he's also in this kind of unusual household arrangement where he's got two housemates, but he's also living with his mum quite unexpectedly because her circumstances changed and she's come to live with him. So he's got this dual role really as 
a son and a carer for her. She has a disability, but also is a housemate and a friend. And he has that outlet with his housemates. But also he's just having to be inside with his mum a lot to look after her. Mm. And like all of us, we're inside a lot anyway. So here's Chris and we're going to hear a little bit about what his life has been like recently. Have you ever felt lonely in this time that you've been at home? In some ways, I feel as though even though I'm living with my mom and my two friends, sometimes there are some things that I sort of can't talk about or certain topics or certain things that I'm feeling um, that I can't express to them. I do spend a lot of time talking sometimes to my friends, which I'm really grateful for, and I sort of feel isolated even though I'm around a lot of people. Mm. Um, and it's because I kind of have a lot of different friends and a lot of people in your life that you talk to about different things and when you're not able to sort of stay connected to those people the same way that you used to it's more difficult to sort of feel that specific type of connection so when like different people fulfill different parts of you right but then there are only some people that you can see at the moment for sure that i think that sums it up yeah how are you keeping in contact with your friends like everybody else who aren't the three people that you live with at the moment (laughs) yeah i've always been a little bit kind of off the grid and like i don't really talk to that much people but during this time uh, there have been times where I make the time to have a really long chat with my friends. Um, I like to not kind of call people often, but have really long conversations with people every once in a while. So I've been trying to do that a lot more, especially because I have a lot of friends and family outside of Australia. It's been a good time to sort of FaceTime and chat with them. Can you reflect on how different life is now to how it was before the pandemic? Yeah, I guess the main difference is that a lot of what I used to do I was always doing a lot of things at the same time, which sometimes is bad, sometimes is good, but I like to keep myself busy. So I was always leaving the house for work, uni, different volunteering things. And so I think the main difference has been that restricted sense of being able to go out and about and do your own thing in different places. And Mm -hmm. I guess it's been a lot harder to find that rhythm of kind of balance in life because every day when you're supposed to go somewhere or do something in a specific place, it sets a sort of structure, but when everything things at home and you like bouncing between your bedroom your lounge room your park like it was hard to sort of keep that same structure and things can become a bit yeah a bit confusing and can feel a bit out of whack um one thing about what's happening at the moment is that we've been in social distancing physical distancing for a few weeks now and there's been a lot of uncertainty about what's going to happen in the future and I get I think from talking to a lot of people that uncertainty and that not knowing has been really confusing for many people and trying to think about their lives but I think at the same time that not knowing about the future means that people are more present with how they're feeling mm in the present Mm. and more time to sort of reflect on how they're feeling and what's happening in the community and I talked to before about how we're so busy and I think everyone was so busy sort of running around doing so many things that they didn't maybe have that time to be present with themselves and Mm. the people around them so I think that's maybe something really nice that we can continue doing and continue finding the time for after this is all finished and I think standing on from that point as well being present 
and being aware of everything that's happening at the moment draws attention to issues that COVID-19 has exacerbated migrant workers mm. who don't have support or young people and precarious sort of situations in terms of employment and it sort of opens a lot of inequalities that we see that is kind of exacerbated in this time so maybe it's also an opportunity to not just look at ourselves but also the larger things in the community that kind of happen and are taking place that maybe needs to be changed. So that was Chris, who's 22 years old, but we've got somebody else on the other end of the age spectrum, Sandro, <laughs> not you, obviously. But <laughs> Thanks for clarifying that. <laughs> you know somebody <laughs> who's living on their own at the moment. Tell us about them. Yeah, this is my 97-year-old nan. So Gran actually had her birthday just last week mm. in isolation. She's been fully isolated because of her age and the risk that the coronavirus poses to her as an older person. So she's been isolated from three other generations of family that she usually catches up with, oh. little tiny nieces yeah. and or her great-grandchildren. And she's been on her own, only seeing my mum for about seven weeks now. So How I think it's going? it's been a yeah, look, I think it's been it's been a pretty tough time. You know, she lived through the Great Depression, she fought in the war. So I think to be now suddenly not only in isolation on her own and at that age, but also be using these digital technologies, you know, the idea when she was born in the 1920s that one day she'd be using a tablet, a book with a magical kind of screen yeah. on the front to communicate with different people around the world and that she would celebrate her 97th birthday on FaceTime is pretty wild. And at the same time, she's been amazing about it. I mean, she's embraced it. She sees it as a challenge. It's tough, but she's a trooper. So mm. yeah, here's a, here's a little bit of a conversation I had with Gran just this week, checking in on her and how she's going in isolation. Yes. Hi, Gran. It's Sandra. How are you? Number, and I never answer it. That's okay. I thought you'd pick up eventually. What have you been doing at home to keep busy? Knitting. I've been knitting Ren sleeves for her jacket. I knitted Miller a jumper out of bits of scraps I had, all stripes to this, and none of them match, but that doesn't matter. <laughs> Crawling around the floor, no one sees us, so still maintaining distance. It's not, not fun, though, not being able to see the little ones, is it? Oh, it's a real nuisance, isn't it? It's terrible. You must miss them. Oh, I miss them terribly. I miss having the... Your mum used to have a little May on the Monday, on a Tuesday, and we used to cook, and we used to have great fun. But she'll be so grown up now. She'll have forgotten me. I don't think anyone's forgotten you, Graham. We're all still missing you. We can't, I, we can't wait to come and see you again. It'll be ages before you can. Oh, who knows? Maybe maybe we'll be able to do it safely or we might be able to come to the window or something. I think I think once they start moving around again, I think it'll all flare up again. What yeah. do you think? I don't know. I hope not. Certainly well, if, I if hope not too, but if everyone if everyone keeps doing being careful like you're being careful, then hopefully things will be okay. Did you enjoy your um, 97th birthday on Zoom the other day on on, uh, on FaceTime? Oh, that was lovely. That was great. I think we were all a little bit sort of overwhelmed, but um, it was great. Are you finding it easy to use the technology? Oh, look, I, I'm past learning all that, Sandro. You're pretty good I, at it, though. You managed to get on FaceTime oh, and on your iPad. 
can get iPad and do things like that. Mum has to help me, and I've had to get a new phone because I kept I dropped the other one and it was old, and I was getting other voices on it, and goodness knows what. But it's helped you stay connected, I suppose. Being being able to jump on the iPad or the email or the Instagram. Oh, the iPad's marvelous. The iPad is the best because it's bigger and I can see it better. I think my eyes are now getting um, are wearing out. I'm just wearing out. Full stop. <laughs> no, you're not. Don't say that. Have you? So uh, I am, and I know it. Are you? Are you still on Instagram? Uh, I still I read your Instagrams. If there's Instagrams there from you and all this, I read them. That's nice. That must that must help too. Oh, it does help. It helps a lot. Those those things help. And Pino's very good. He sends me photos of the little girls, and so do Jeff and Rhonda. And so I'm very spoiled. Well, we're very spoiled, Grand too. What are you looking forward to most after all this finishes? Going down to the farm again and having everybody and all of us having a meal together. Yeah, amen to that. Ah, oh, Gran, Nan, <laughs> so cute. I love her. <laughs> She's pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah, 97 years of pure legend. What a special lady. Um, yeah. So coming up next, we've got our regular physio segment with Rowan Singleton from Back in Motion Physiotherapy in Northcote. And after that, we're going to get some tips from Sandro about meals that we can share communally in this time of social distancing. So I was having a chat to one of my colleagues today and we were just reflecting on the changes that we've been seeing coming through the practice, particularly over the last two to three weeks as this strange time kind of progresses. And unfortunately, we've been seeing a lot more neck, shoulder and and back pain, much more than other injuries that we would typically see and much less sporting injuries and other type of traumatic injuries that we would normally see as well. So I thought it might be nice today to, to share a few exercises that we really regularly prescribe for those three areas of the body. These exercises, not only are they great for when you are in pain and, and if you have been sore, but we think they're really good as a preventative tool, hopefully stop the build-up of some of those aches and pains. So the first exercise is one for the neck. So we'll, we'll start at the top and work our way down. If you want to play along at home, if you're sitting in a chair, assume a nice tall posture and gently squeeze your shoulder blades back in together. From that position, we're going to do an exercise called the chin tuck. So the chin tuck involves gently nodding and tucking your chin in to almost give yourself a double chin and then slowly relax back out of that exercise. You can imagine that your jaw is a a chest of drawers or a a drawer and you just gently tuck that drawer in and squeeze the shoulder blades together. Hold that for 10 seconds and then slowly relax. That's a really great exercise to help reduce any tightness in the neck and reduce any buildup of of soreness in that part of your body. The second exercise is a really good exercise for your upper back. Now you can do this exercise in sitting or in lying and it's called the bow and arrow. What I'll get you to do for this one, we might do the sitting version, seeing as you're already sitting. And if you pop both your hands out in front as if you're a zombie, and then I want you to imagine that you're pulling a bow on an arrow. So you're going to gently draw your right arm back and bring that all the way into your side. And I'm going to get you to push your left arm forward. So you're twisting through that upper back in between your shoulder blades and then slowly return. And then you can repeat that on the other side. So push the right arm forward, squeeze the shoulder blades together as you pull your left arm back, imagining that you're pulling a bow 
on an arrow. And if you repeat that 10 times each side, that's a really great exercise to get the part of the, the back that's in between your neck and your lower back, the area where your, all your ribs attach and all the joints in that part of your body moving. The final exercise I thought I would share with you today is a, a really good exercise for your back and for your lower back if it's been a bit sore, particularly if it's getting a bit sore with sitting. And this exercise is called an extension. So if you lie down onto the ground and, and pop your hands up by your shoulders, and you're going to do a half push-up, so pushing through your hands, keeping your hips on the ground, take all your weight through your arms and push your chest up off the ground, arching your back. Those of you who are familiar with yoga will know this as the cobra, and then you can slowly come back down. So make sure that your stomach is really relaxed and your lower back's really relaxed and that you take all your weight through your arms. That's a great exercise just to reverse that, that posture that you've been sitting in all day. So give those three exercises a go, and that should help prevent the build-up of some of those niggles in the neck, shoulders, and lower back. Well, I don't know about you, Dewey, but I always feel better after a session with Rowan. And, you know, physical activity, keeping moving has been such an important part of just kind of maintaining my physical health. And I suppose part of that really important routine we talked about a couple of episodes ago. But another part of my really important routine, probably my favorite part of the day and a deep source of meditation for me is, of course, cooking. So mm, delicious. I've been back in the kitchen this week. <laughs> and what I've loved to do recently is, in fact, cook the same thing in two households or three households. How and even, work? well, so. I love to cook and what I've done is uh, I jump online with one or two friends, take them through a recipe, get cooking together. But then the nice thing is that you all eat the same food. So there's kind of a sense of connection because you're sharing the same food, you're sharing the same flavors, mm. the same sort of culinary experience, even though you're divided. I don't know. It just gives that great sense of kind of togetherness That's and so coziness. Nice. Mm. Yeah. So, so what have you been making with your friends? Yeah. So this week I made fresh cannelloni, mm. got inspired by a buddy of mine and got the pasta maker back out. And it is such a great, fun, easy recipe making fresh pasta. Everyone thinks it's so difficult. But I reckon for about 20 bucks, I made enough cannelloni stuffed with ricotta, pumpkin and spinach for about 10 people. Mm. Of course, there are only two of us living in the house. So <laughs> we ate very, very well and gave some to my parents and Liv's parents and a few other people. But uh, what you do is you get a doppio zero, so a really like fine uh, pasta flour from your local deli. Important to support local delis and grocers at this time too. Get about a kilo and that will make heaps. And then for every 100 grams of flour, you put in one good free-range egg Make sure you get really good quality eggs, really good quality flour because they're the only two ingredients you use. Mix that into a dough with your hands in a bowl and then knead and knead and knead until it's really nice and smooth. When it's no longer sticking to your hands or the bench, then pop that in the fridge for about two hours to cool and then just pop it through the pasta machine and you just go from the largest size through to the smallest size. You put probably, I would say, 30 grams of dough at a time. So you cut the dough, like I made about 300 grams of flour, three eggs, so about 300 grams, 350 grams of dough. That made enough pasta for about 10 people. With that, I had a, a kilogram of ricotta, a packet of frozen spinach, and about a kilogram of butternut pumpkin that I just steamed and then mashed and stirred through with pepper, salt, a little bit of olive oil, and two eggs into the mix. Mm. And then when I made the pasta, I rolled the pasta up with the filling inside, covered it with a fresh tomato sauce, covered that with a bit of Parmesan cheese and popped it in the oven. 
I swear the whole thing only took about an hour. It's great fun with young kids because it's really tactile and it's not that actually messy once you make the pasta dough. Tell you what, it is so delicious. Yum. So wrapping up, I think we'll be finishing with Hayley McKenzie from Half Moon Mindfulness and Meditation, and she's mm. going to lead us through our mindful moment to finish up the week. So we hope everyone's feeling calm and relaxed and you've got somewhere comfy that you can take a listen. Mm, awesome. Hello, everyone. Deep breathing is a great way to come back to the present moment release tension, and relax. Paying attention to the breath is like an anchor. It helps us slow down, be still, and focus on the present moment. Taking deep breaths actually sends a signal to our brain telling it that everything is okay. One of my favourite ways to breathe deeply is to place one hand on my belly and one hand on my chest. By doing that, we get to connect to our bodies by noticing the gentle rise and fall of the air coming into our bodies and leaving the same way. So let's start. Find a comfortable place where you can sit or lie down. You also might like to close your eyes for this exercise. Let's begin by taking three very slow, long, deep breaths. You might like to place one hand on your tummy and one hand on your chest so you can notice your breath coming in and out. Let's start. Breathing all the way in. Two, three, four, and all the way out. Two, three, four. Breathing in. Two, three, four, and all the way out. Two, three, Four. Last one. Two, three, four, and out. Two, three, four. Return to breathing normally now, but keep your hands where they are. As you continue to breathe, see if you can notice the temperature of the air coming in and out of your nose. Does it feel warm, cool, or just neutral? Can you feel the air touching any other part of your body as it comes and goes? Notice how it feels to slow down and pay attention to your breathing. Now I'd like you to focus on your chest and tummy moving. Although that we know that it's actually our lungs that are filling up and releasing air, we can feel the movement in our tummy and chest. Pay attention to the movement and see if you can notice whether the belly or the chest fills up first with air and then which one empties first. Take a few slow breaths to see if you can work it out. Lastly, place your hands in your lap. Take one final cleansing breath, feeling proud of yourself for making the time today to dedicate a few minutes to self-care through mindfulness. Until next time, much love, Haley. Well, Dewey, I think there are some really important tips to take away from today's episode. Firstly, it's completely normal to feel upset and a little bit overwhelmed or, or worried at this time. Given everything that's going on, it's going to be normal that everyone is digesting 
and coping in their own way. So it's important to keep track of how you're feeling. It's normal to feel sad from time to time, but of course, it's not normal to feel sad for weeks. And keep an eye out for things like extended periods of tiredness, hopelessness, nervousness, or feeling like everything is just an effort or overwhelming. In terms of maintaining your mental health across this period, make sure that you stay connected to others via your phone, social media, email, and of course, jump on Skype. If the news is bothering you and it kind of seems doom and gloom all the time, then take a break from it. Turn off the news, just be present, reconnect with where you are and who you're with. Create a routine to maintain a sense of normalcy and include physical activity, some healthy cooking, maybe a bit of cannelloni, (laughs) and of course, continuing to work or study if you feel healthy and well enough to do so. Focus on what you can control. There's lots that you can't. But for example, washing your hands properly and often following physical distancing rules instead of what you can't control like what everyone else is doing. Try not to panic. Get your information from reliable sources like the Federal and Victorian Chief Health Officers or the ABC or other reputable sources of media. Practice mindfulness and you can always, of course, repeat the section of this app where we go through a mindfulness exercise. And lastly, please just everyone take care of yourselves and take care of each other. Take stock of your emotions. It's completely normal to feel concerned or upset about what is happening at the moment. If you feel anxious, talk to a trusted friend or family member. And if you feel really worried or if you need help, please seek professional help. Phone Lifeline on 131114, Beyond Blue on 1300 224 636 or Contacts Headspace on 1800 650 890. See you soon. This special COVID-19 series of In Good Health is produced by me, Dewi Cook, and edited by the fabulous Nick King. Thanks to Hayley McKenzie of Half Moon Mindfulness and Meditation and Rowan Singleton from Back in Motion Northcote for their help. For more information on what we've talked about in this episode, check out our show notes. And if you like us, please consider leaving us a review wherever you get your podcasts. See you soon.